Welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to educating the Latino community about entrepreneurship, investing, and business. Yo, what's going on, Latin Wealth family? Welcome to another episode to Wealth Wednesday. Glad that you're here. Very excited about some of the topics that we're going to jump into today. Number one, we're going to be talking about Bitcoin. And uh, if you guys have not been paying attention, Bitcoin is approaching its highest uh, that it's been since December 2021. All right. So the highest that it's been since December 2021, uh, we're going to be talking about why it's uh, why the price is going up. Uh, what's going on? What are some of the things that are contributing to this? And we're also going to be talking about some key themes to watch for in a Latin America for 2024. So there's some business related themes um, and some financial themes that we want to take a look at in that are happening in Latin America right now for 2024. As you know, this is the Latin wealth. So we got to cover anything related to our community and our people. Uh, with that being said, welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in. Welcome to the family. Uh, and if you are a consistent listener, shout out to you. We appreciate you. We've been getting, uh, you know, some love lately. People have been saying like, yo, they we've been getting some great value from the podcast episode, which means a lot to us because, look, well, we're just going to talk our talk right now. Like, a lot of the stuff that we are going to speak about in this podcast episode today is stuff that we spoke about last year. <laughs> we yeah. spoke about it like, I don't even know, like August of last year, maybe even before yeah. that, honestly. Yeah. So uh, just pay attention, rock with us, share this episode with other people that need to hear this, this information. There's a lot of folks that need to hear it. And with that being said, Jeremiah, how you feeling today, bro? I'm feeling great, man. Let's give the people some information that they can use, right? We always do, but we're going to give them some information they can use. And it's it's still, it's a trending topic. So, you know, I, I feel like it's it's always good to give people something that they can walk away with that's practical and go and implement it. So excited. For sure. For sure. So we're going to jump into Bitcoin. Bitcoin eyes longest winning run in a year as ETF attracts inflows. All right. We're going to break down what that means right now. Uh, in this article, it said Bitcoin approaches $50,000 for the first time since December 2021. And actually, when I was taking notes earlier today, it was at 49000 And I checked, I think it was around maybe... $49,500. Yeah, it was $49,500. I think earlier in the day, it actually passed 50000 and then came back yeah. down. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting because personally... Maybe because I haven't been on Instagram, but I feel like it, it hasn't been really been spoken about in the masses just yet. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I think you're right. Okay. Because 50,000. There's, I mean, there's a reason behind that. Okay. Yeah. Well, and we'll, we'll get into that reason. I want you to hold that. Um, if you guys don't know what an ETF is, we'll slightly break it down for y'all in a second. But we did multiple episodes on what the an ETF is. And we also did an episode again, a couple months ago about, um, the Bitcoin spot ETF. So, uh, Jeremiah, could you quickly break down what an ETF for the audiences out there just real briefly? Sure. Um, we talked about index 
indices and indexes all the time, which is a group of stocks, right? Well, an ETF is just an exchange traded fund, right? So it's a fund linked to a particular either company or linked to a particular group of companies. In this case, it's linked to Bitcoin, right? Which is obviously a cryptocurrency, the number one cryptocurrency in the world. So again, that's an exchange traded fund. It's just a collection of securities um, that usually tracks like an underlying index or entity. For this, it's directly tracking Bitcoin. So we're creating shares that you can purchase of the cryptocurrency, just to keep it in layman's mm -hmm. terms. That's mm -hmm. that's what we're 100%, doing. 100%. And anytime we see a rise with Bitcoin, um, you pretty much see a rise across the industry. So there's been some other crypto related companies that have seen some significant gains as well. But man, I I'm curious, what, what is your thoughts on why isn't this being spoken about to the masses just yet? I remember, was it 2020 or early 2021 when Bitcoin was around 50 and people were just like running around with their heads cut off? Like, I need to invest. And it seems like this time around, it's, it's a little bit more quiet. Yeah. And th so there's a couple of things. Um, number one, obviously, you want if you're a very large investor, right, or a whale, mm -hmm. they call you, um, you have a significant amount of money or since now it's become a security that's not taboo, um, you'll have hedge funds that are interested, obviously, in investing into the Bitcoin. And so what they're doing is they're keeping the, you know, the actual, I guess, the 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 publicity and everything mm -hmm. down because you want those whales to invest in those hedge funds to go and buy up the majority of these actual shares that are available. The reason you want them to do that is because they're stable, Right. I mean, you know, they have they're usually are, are linked to or have a group of affluent investors that are all inside of this hedge fund. And so it's like uh, that money's always going to be there. So I would rather have them purchase a lot of the shares of the ETF. Right. than have the re normal retail investors. So I play that down. That's rule. Num that's number one reason mm -hmm. is I want the bigger investors and the more stable in my mind. Right. In the in the economy's mind, I want them to. Um, go and buy it up first. And you've seen that with the different banks and things like that. They shunned it. Meantime, they were all buying Bitcoin, right? Which is crazy. But um, and then the second reason is, and just to just keep it honest, we're in an election year. And right now, the economy wants you to focus on purchasing homes, mm -hmm. purchasing cars, paying your credit cards, yep. doing all of the things that are consumer consumer based. They want you to focus on that. Every report we have coming out is giving the narrative that home prices are coming down. Like everything is pushing you towards doing the consumeristic things, right? Consumer-based activities that we do on a normal basis in America. So I think instead of me going and speaking to you about investing in Bitcoin and buying in because this thing is going to happen in a couple of months, mm -hmm. I'm going to talk to you about get back in the housing market um get, make sure you pay your car car note pay those student loan like we're, we're there's just a narrative that's created to keep the economy afloat because it took a huge hit during the pandemic and with all the different programs and the things that came into effect and so i think the election year is a big fact uh, probably a bigger factor than them even wanting those other investors those large investors to stabilize the system first it's an election year and, and the narrative is just pushing you more towards being a consumer, not an investor. Mm -hmm. You know, Robert Kiyosaki obviously has the the yeah. flow quadrant, right? The money quadrant. And you can see where you can move from where you're at. So instead of moving to the last quadrant, which is an investor, 
They want you to be kind of somewhere between two and three, right? Owning your own business, maybe, but really more a consumer, a high paid consumer. And so it puts more money into the economy. And that's the reason why I don't think you see a whole bunch of publicity about the prices, just to be honest. Yeah, 100%. It's going to be interesting. We've been saying this for a minute. It's going to be interesting to see what the election year and you mentioned the Bitcoin halving. And if you guys don't know what the halving is, it's basically uh, a Bitcoin halving is when the rates at which new Bitcoins are released into circulation, they're cut in half. And that typically happens every four years. So the circulation, the Bitcoin, they get cut in half. And that's set to happen around there's not an exact date that i found but it's supposed to happen around may mid-may maybe Yeah. late april Late April, uh I think, yeah. okay so when that happens uh correct me if i'm wrong but historically the bitcoin prices have risen Yeah, of course, because what ends up happening is when you when you hit that halving, right, then there's more retail investors that end up coming in. The influx of cash goes into the entity, into Bitcoin. And what do they do? They say, okay, well, people are buying more shares. That pushes the price of the Bitcoin up. And so everybody seeks to purchase either right when it halves or before it halves and buy up what they can, right? And then go and watch it just rise from the point where they're at to hopefully uh, record-breaking highs. So we shall see. I think some good indicators and stuff to look at right now, maybe go back to um, Bitcoin's been around obviously since really 2012, but we say 2013. If you go back and look at election years, in the past and look and see how it aligns with the halving, right? And see if you can align those two and see where those are at and then try to see what the behavior is from that Bitcoin versus, you know, being in an election year because um, the geopolitical climate, man, all that stuff affects everything. Socioeconomics affects finance way more than what people realize. So, That's actually a really good point to go back in history and see what year or around what year was their election and the Bitcoin having. Exactly. Wow. Interesting. Um, I want to hit on the Bitcoin ETFs a little bit. Yeah. So I was doing a little research and there may be more, but I think there's about 19 Bitcoin ETFs out there currently. Mm hmm Um, you know, some of the big ones are BlackRock and Yep. Fidelity Investments. Mm hmm Uh, they pretty much rank as the most successful ETFs to launch. And I'm curious for the people out there that are, are looking to invest in these different ETFs. Let's just say there's 19, there's 20, whatever the amount is. How can one decide which one to to invest in? You want to look I at know the you strength got different of things as like their fees, their promotions, Yeah. and their, okay. Yeah. And there'll be some incentives and things that people give to you. If you purchase a certain amount, then, you know, they incentivize you and things like that. At the end of the day, those things go, they go and come. It may be bait and switch in a lot of cases. They want to get you in the door and then they're gone. The best way I would say is to sit and actually, here it goes again, due diligence, right? Sit and actually research. these companies and research what are the financials of the company directly linked to that ETF. We're talking Vanguard, we're talking BlackRock, we're talking Fidelity, right? These are longstanding companies with long histories of successfully managing portfolios at a very large scale, right? And so you want to try to see um, those companies themselves when you look to see how one aligns to you and your goals, 
Maybe look to see what sector of business they heavily involve themselves in, and that aligns to their growth of that company, and you'll choose which one is the best for you. Those top three, you really can't go wrong. I mean, Fidelity, BlackRock, you, you can't go wrong. You just have to choose which way it goes and how it aligns to, to your business. Now, out of the total 19, you may see pricing and things of some companies that are a little bit cheaper. But if you look at the financials of those overall companies, it's kind of shaky, right? It's questionable. You don't really know if they're going to be here. How long have they? How long have they been here? What's the history of that company? These top three, I mean, like the top seven when it comes to stocks, right? You really can't go wrong. You're going to make money regardless, basically. A hundred percent. And so if you guys are interested in learning more about the fees, the promotions, the holdings and whatnot, um, there's a really good list on nerdwallet.com that I came across. Um, I'll link it in the description of this podcast. But if you just look, if you just go ahead and type in uh, Bitcoin ETF list or something like that with their fees, all the information uh, will definitely come up and you can make a decision from there. Go with, go with value, go with the value it presents. It's not so much all the time when you get into investments and things like, especially like this, it's not all the time about affordability. So the cheapest ETF may not be bringing the best value. And so you want to align to the best value for you and what you want to do uh, for your financial portfolio. A hundred percent. Man, do you have any price projections of what Bitcoin could hit this year? Yeah, so you'll see you'll see the halving, um, and that's probably the end of April. So mid May, by mid May, you're gonna see a near new record high, and then probably around June you'll see a record high, um, all time high ATH for Bitcoin. As we go into the election year, that's when the publicity will start to heat up a little bit. By then, you'll have pretty much the front runners for which you already have, but you'll pretty much have. The conventions for both parties already kind of decided and they'll would have picked who their person is that they're backing and things like that and so that narrative would be passed and you're going to see that all-time high and at that time look to see things that get very interesting because the last prediction i have with this is uh price wise i'll say that it's going to probably get man i won't give an exact price i'll just say it's going to be higher than it was in 2021 because that was just, <laughs> that was the Yeah, yeah, you don't have to get an exact price. No, no, uh, check this out. Uh, look for about a a seven, a seven to eight and a half percent over what the last all time high was. I'll give you that. Okay, Give I you love that. that. Love that. Um, and also look to see how it's tricky because what you'll start to see is you're starting to see funds go into these campaigns via Bitcoin Mm. backings. Mm. I'll leave it at Interesting. that. We'll, we'll we'll come back in a few months and you'll we'll be like, hey, see. So yeah. <laughs> so real quick, do you think one last question about this? This yeah. period that we're in now, right before the happening, do you think we'll see we'll continue to see Bitcoin increase, or do you think it's gonna be kind of chilling and then uh, it's gonna pop? It'll go for a gradual. I believe it'll go yeah. it'll grow like gradually. It'll stay yeah. between We're like 40, it'll stay between 48.5 and 50, 52, maybe 51, 7, 52. It'll stay between there. And then right when the halving, you'll see, re, you'll see it start to run up mm -hmm. like crazy. Mm. Yeah. All right, y'all. Hope y'all taking notes, man. We're not playing around with this information. Hey, so. yeah.
<laughs> I literally remember, Chris, we said we're going to go back and we're going to look for the episode where we were like, you know, back in like July or August where we talked about and almost like exactly the time frame yeah. when they announced the ETF. Yeah. Like I, I, I promise on everything we announced yeah. it last year. Yeah, check the check the with check 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 our history. Check the episode. Hey, the are uh, there. But I definitely do need to go back and find that clip and bring it back. Um, but I want to transition a little bit, and I want to talk about the key yeah. themes to watch in Latin America for twenty twenty four. So we just kind of spoke about Bitcoin and spoke yeah. about like the impact on on America and election and whatnot. Um, they are Wait. there are. Before we get into that, I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, this is links to what we got going on in Latin America. I just thought about this. Uh, Bukele, which is yes, El Salvador, yep. link his building the whole entire economic system on. 100%. What, what do you think about that, Chris? Before we, because this connects both. For sure. Both. Um, I mean, I think what he's doing is, I think he's kind of like the the book we're reading. He's thinking five steps ahead. <laughs> I yeah. think he's playing chess, right? So, and it, it's funny because they've been implemented it for a while now. I think it was maybe in 2020 where yeah. they have, yeah, they have like a, yeah. 2019, yeah. Uh, where they, they have like a city that specifically accepts Bitcoin everywhere, like this Bitcoin yeah. ATM machine. And that yeah. I remember when that popped up, I, to me, it was really fascinating to see, especially in that country. It, maybe it's something that we expected to see happen in America, but it happened in El Salvador. So that just the right. reason why I bring that up it it shows that he's thinking he's playing chess. He's he's thinking yeah. five ten steps ahead, um, and I think you'll definitely see a lot more countries in Latin America adopt the same model as what El Salvador is doing. And I think in the results of that, it's what else has been helping the the economy is is tourism as well. I agree. As of recently, that. tourism in El Salvador um, has increased a lot. It's actually yes. become one of these places that people want to go to. And that's a and that's a plus, right? I mean, if you can have that your economic system linked to a currency that's growing, right, and right. be able to exchange funds and get investments and things like that to increase relationships between countries, like you said, it's chess moves. So. Shouts out to him because that definitely goes into what we're talking about with these Latin American countries growing. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, yeah, we're gonna take a, a look at a couple of these themes. There's ten of them that are shaping the business environment in a Latin America region for 2024. So we're gonna just gonna take out a couple of them. We'll link the article down below so you can check out the full article and check out all ten. But. Uh, Jeremiah, I'm curious which one of these stood out to you and that you want to hit on. Um, number the inflation will decline, increasing the scope uh, to ease monetary policy. Basically, uh, you're going to have to figure out how to have a gradual decline, right? So inflation starts to decline, and you either get stagflation or deflation. Mm -hmm. And so what they're saying is, is the way that the Fed has done with increasing um, interest rates here in our country. What are the what are these countries and what are their monetary policies going to do to actually ease that landing and get them to where it's going to be able to allow the money to start free flowing again and promote commerce inside of the inside of the countries? Um, I mean, they were talking about the demand shifting from um, 
like China and foreign, you know, bringing in stuff from that area and how you had Mexico that ended up like moving up the list of imports and exports, right? Right. So we started to import more things from Mexico than we did from China. Uh, we just crossed that, that mark. And so these are just things that are helping to build that. But how do you actually sit with your monetary policies and create like laws and regulations that are going to help stimulate your government? So that was... That was one for me. What did you? Which one did you have? Man, the, I have yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll hit yours after. Uh, the whole situation with Argentina yeah. will face the most severe challenge in meeting debt repayment in 2024. Yeah. So I had to do some, do my due diligence okay. and look at hey. like what, 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 what are they talking about, right? So Ooh. in yeah. 2018, uh, Argentina received 57 billion dollar yeah. bailout to help the then president. Um, government out of their economic crisis, right? Yeah. So they were given $57 billion from the International Monetary Fund, uh, the IMF. Yep. And um, yeah, they got to pay it back, right? You got to pay back that loan. And so the IMF is allowing uh, Argentina to defer the last review of its $44 billion loan by a couple months. Um, giving pretty much the government more time to apply for re reforms and potentially negotiate a new program. Um, so they still have a hefty uh, bill that they need to pay back. So essentially what Argentina is trying to do right now is they're trying to, what they're, what they're going to end up trying to do is negotiate a new program, right? Yep. To, to get this debt down a lot lower. So they potentially don't have to pay back the whole amount. But throughout the whole article, Argentina pops up a lot three or four and, times yep. yeah so it's uh what are your thoughts about that argentina is a key stakeholder in south america brazil and argentina um i mean you have colombia who has obviously had their tumultuous history right. right but now they've become um somewhat of an ally more of an ally with the united states you have you know peru who's building chile um after their issues they've had they've they've begin to try to, you know, more settle out, get away from the military coups and stuff like that. But our, but the most important by far, the most important, the most important um, overall economies in South America is Argentina and, mm -hmm. and Brazil. Um, very large trading partners. I mean, whether it goes from medical, engineering, um, agriculture, these are two very large countries when it comes to South American exports and things like that. And so Argentina, you look for them to be a strong partner. Brazil obviously had what they had going on with the coup with their president and all that. It's a whole bunch of extra going on. But you look for Argentina to be very strong on um, exports of directly linked. I want people to think about this. Directly linked. That region, Argentina, Chile, that region, um, Uruguay, they're actually the number one area for lithium. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Yeah. Lithium is for your batteries, guys. So when yeah. you actually make your electronic vehicles and things like that, these are the mines that the people are using. Um, they're, they're trying to balance that between like the Great Salt Lakes here in the United States. But I'm just telling you why we input, why America and why the IMF, why there's so much money that goes into Argentina, because it's very crucial to the stability of that you know, that continent of South America and to actually being good trade partners and creating good commerce on this side here on the Western Hemisphere. So this is why this is why you would go and help that country. 
because number one, we're going to need their lithium. We need that trade. We need to make sure that they have the infrastructure to provide that lithium to us to grow our, um, you know, our, 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 us reducing our what we call fossil fuel footprint, mm -hmm. which is less less gas, right, and getting more electric vehicles out there. And so these are just things to think about, like in the grand scheme of thing, and why it's so important for us to make sure that Argentina is making it and that they're doing well. Yeah, and I know, I think it was, I'm trying to pull up the article right now, but the the first, they showed a graph yeah. of the uh, the economic growth was slow, yeah. right? And yeah. you can see some of the major countries in South America, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Mexico, Peru, you know, they, they had some years that were, were doing well, but Argentina was one of the ones that had more negative years than the rest of them. It did. Yeah. And I think that the majority of that honestly has to come with instability in the region. Right. And starting to understand. Well, basically, the, the pandemic is going to hit a country harder when they're developing right. the developed right. country. The U.S. was already developed. So you saw the way it hit us and it hit more of our hospitality, you know, and leisure mm -hmm. uh, areas, hotels, cruises, stuff like that, planes, stuff like that. Right. But to them, it hits the infrastructure, hits the very core of your country because you're just trying to develop. You're you know, you're getting to that place to where you want to be one of the most preeminent countries in South America and in the world. You want to get there. But then when something like that happens, that derails you. And when you have to borrow that amount of money and then pay it back because you don't want to default, because then what ends up happening is other countries own more of your country than you do. Mm. So, yeah. Crazy. Did you, do you want to give us one more or do you think they got enough? Mm, what do you think? I mean, I can, I can do one more super small one. Okay, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. So I'm trying to get one outside of Argentina. <laughs> um, energy transition and adjustments to global supply chains will continue to boost investment. This is a good thing. I want you guys, this is what we're talking about. I wanted to do number nine. That's, I want to link that because we're talking about lithium, right? You're yeah. going to continue to see investments pour into Bolivia, um, Argentina, uh, southern tip of Brazil, Uruguay, and Chile. Why? Because these are the areas that are high in lithium reserves. And so you'll start to see investments come into those countries. These countries have to ensure that when the money comes in, you are utilizing that money, number one, to create stronger infrastructure, create more jobs, and that you lock in a set amount of jobs for the natives of that country instead of importing people from what other, whatever other countries that you know help to set up these the mines and things like that. Like, let's say Tesla goes and purchases 75% of a mine in Argentina. They're going to try to, you know, import their own people, right? And things like that. Um, these countries have to just make sure that they lock in at least, I would say, maybe 60% of the workforce has to be native, mm -hmm. right? And and implement some type of tariffs or taxes that go along with these companies. Welcome them in or whatever like mm -hmm. that. Give them a little tax break, but make sure there's, some, there's money flowing through the country. Because as these investments come in, you don't want that money to just be corrupt and go straight to the hands of politicians, and it never actually touches the country because that's how you end up, you know, again, defaulting and your whole country starts to implode. So I think that's something that they got to focus on. It's good news, right. but you got to focus on that. Definitely got to focus on that. And in addition to lithium, they also, 40% of copper comes from Latin America oh. and uh, food as well. Yeah. A lot of the food comes from... Latin America, the region is the world's largest food exporter. So 
Yeah. There you go. Interesting, man. And very interesting. So we hit on a lot of different things today. Uh, hopefully it was a impactful, informative episode. I think it, it was a lot of great information in here. What I would encourage you guys to do is to take one thing mm -hmm. that you learned from this episode, apply it or learn more about it, right? Yeah. There's a lot here. You can probably go back to this episode and listen to it multiple times, but definitely take one thing from this episode and do your due diligence, do more research about it. Or, or apply it to uh, your strategy or your your business model, whatever the case is, I would highly encourage you to do that. We obviously want you guys to have a good time listening to this, but we are not entertainers. We're here to help you guys out. <laughs> We're not here just to give you this information and just like dance around. Like we want to give this to y'all and you guys actually apply it, right? And I also want to encourage y'all like it's never too late to do anything, right? If I'm not going to say any age out there, whether you feel like you're 30 and it's too late or you're 60 and it's too late, it's never too late to take action on some of the things that you want to accomplish. I agree at that. With that being said, Latin Wolf family, we'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Peace